A special thank you to the Greenwald and the Rosenblum families for sponsoring the share tonight in honor of the yard site of Mrs. Greenwald's mother, Leah Bas Beryl. Her neshama should have an aliyah. And a thank you to the Mon family, sponsoring the shir as well this evening in honor of the yard site of both of her parents, Alta Chaya Bas Mordechai and Shlomo Ben Moshe. Their neshama should have an aliyah as well. I'd like to start off with an exercise. For a moment, everybody, close your eyes, but don't fall asleep. And for the next 30 seconds, there's going to be complete silence. And I want you to think about absolutely nothing. On your marks, get set, go. this on, on film also but okay pretty simple straightforward Hanana what were you thinking about during those 30 seconds oh. okay. I can tell by the expression of your face nothing is not that exciting or entertaining what did you think about Okay, okay. A little bit of a cheap way out, but I'm not sure that counts. Because you're thinking about the words that I should think about nothing. It's impossible. So is it? I'm curious. Anyone here in the room feel that they were able to, to pretty much think about nothing for those few seconds? On one hand. Okay. We get some music playing in the background. We'll have some candles. That might be a nice addition besides the sushi. Have some incense burning. Then we could think about nothing. It's not easy. Rabbi Azarad, you, you were able to do it. Okay, okay, that's impressive. Last week we spoke a lot about what we are not. Namely, we are not our thoughts, we are not our feelings, we are not our emotions, we are not our experiences, but rather we are the one choosing to think, we are the ones choosing to feel, and we are the ones experiencing whatever it is. Yet often we get confused and we view the thoughts that are going through our head or the emotions that we're feeling as part and parcel of, of who we are. Part of the discussion last week was trying to identify if I'm not my thoughts, I'm not my feelings, then who am I? So we discovered that clearly I'm the one in back observing what's taking place in my head, often caught up with what's happening, with my own perception of reality. But the reality of who I am is something above that and beyond that. 
So who am I? So it's hard to, to find one word that would really describe or use as a definition for who I am. What is my identity? I am the controller of what happens inside my head. I'm the creator of what takes place internally. I'm the observer of all of the clutter and commotion. Still not a crisp definition, but it's more defining who we are by focusing on who we're not. You are the master of your destiny. Is that a true line? Are you the master of your destiny? Probably depends how you define destiny. If that means I have total control as to what happens to me in life, so obviously we know that's, that's not the way things work. That would be great. That would be predictable. But there's a lot that goes on and there's a lot that will happen that we have no control of whatsoever. We can say, though, that we are the masters of how we perceive or react or respond to any given situation or any interaction. Because I'm not my feelings, I'm not my thoughts, I'm not the experience, I'm the observer, I'm the controller, I'm the creator of what happens within my head. But I'm not what happens within my head. Does that make sense? Oftentimes we feel that we're, we're lacking control, right? The title of tonight's sheer is Control Freak. Ever been confused or accused of being a control freak? Okay, you don't want to admit it. What does that mean to be a control freak? Someone who is obsessed with, with needing to micromanage and make sure that everything in my environment is going according to my plan, the way things should be, the way things that I feel comfortable with. I'm a control freak. In Hashkafa, when it comes to the philosophy of menschlichkeit, of becoming a real human and developing in Avodas Hashem, we try not to be control freaks. However, when it comes to what happens within our own mind, within our hearts, so there we do try to gain shlita. We try to take the reins, so to speak. Can we have total control? The answer is a resounding no. Can't do that. Last week, after the shear. I don't have a text or an email on this point, but it was a verbal communication. Somebody asked me, the, the way this discussion seems to be going is that you assume that we could get to a point where we're having total control over our thoughts. And that's a scary thought. Will we ever have total control over our thoughts? Rosh Shiva used to say that the human mind is an open garbage pail. It's more of a scientific description of the brain. It's an open garbage pail, meaning that there are so many images and feelings and, and yearnings that I have 
that are totally subconscious. I'm not choosing to think this particular thought right now. So how'd it get into my head? It's hard to say, but we're exposed to billions and billions of different things every moment of life, so much of which we don't even register on a conscious level, but things get in from all around. Living in a secular society where we're not surrounded by the Dalit coastly based medrash, but we're influenced by the, uh, the talk show hosts and what we read online, and even if it's yeshiva world, there's no place to go where every last bit of information is coming from just a pure sense of, of Das Torah. There's so much krumkite. There's a lot of very, uh, very negative ideas and philosophies and images that go around our heads, and we don't have control over that. What we do have control over is how do I react to those thoughts? How much of, a, of an emotional connection do I allow myself to have? We could train ourselves to be more proactive in how we think. We could train ourselves to be more proactive in bringing up, tapping into a wellspring of infinite emotion. But to say that we're ever going to get to a point where every single thought and image in my head is totally controlled, that's, uh, that, that's not realistic. But that's not the goal. When we feel a lack of control, it's often because we think we should have control of more things than we actually do. Right? We have here three circles. We have a circle of concern. This is the area of life that I, I'm concerned over. Maybe it's not quite an obsession it might not be in my mind often, but it, it bothers me. And then the middle circle is, right? we have the circle of concern, which is broad. And if you're a Jewish mother, that circle is actually expansive. <laughs> we have the circle of concern. Within that, we have the circle of influence. These are the things that I can do to potentially impact my environment or other people around me. And then we have that middle circle, namely the circle of control. It's within this area that I, I potentially have total control. So what is that area, practically speaking, that I have total control? Obviously, it's within me. I'm the controller of my mind. I can't control everything. Thoughts will be coming in and ideas and images but I do have control as to how I allow myself to react to those thoughts, to those feelings, and to the experiences that we go through. That's our sphere of control. Just knowing that and just reminding ourselves of that can be actually a source of, of feeling empowered and fortified because I don't have to be overly concerned about all the other areas that I have no connection with. How many of you feel okay about the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of children starving right now? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> None of us feel okay. 
How much is that on our radar? So unfortunately, we have so many other things going on. Usually, that's not within our, our circle of concern. But it's all about having a clarity of mind and allowing or reinforcing the fact that certain things are outside of my reach, and that's okay. I don't have to control that. The Orcha Sadikim, when he speaks about the Mida of, of serenity, someone who lives a life where there's no overwhelming concern, he quotes from one of the great Chachamim who said, Eini motze klal I've had a lot of experience, Baruch Hashem, with Gedole Torah, and I've never found amongst the Nefashos Elyonos, amongst the lofty, the lofty, more developed Ovdei Hashem, any simen, any indication of real worry. Because when you find these people who have this bedrock of bitachon, of amuna, they don't allow the, the different uh, anxieties out there in the world to penetrate their own menuchas and nefesh. Because worry and stress can destroy the heart and chip away at one's sanity. And they only bring sickness to the body. So by limiting our sphere of influence and by understanding the areas in life, namely the reality within my head, that is my only area of control, that awareness itself brings a sense of tranquility. I just have to focus on how I respond and how I relate to what's happening around me. In the Sefer HaKuzari, where we have this elaborate discussion between the uh, king of the Kuzars, and uh, there's a Chacham there who was representing the Jewish religion, one of the interesting questions that was presented by the king was, in your opinion, how would you describe a chassid? Paint me a picture of what a righteous man looks like. So the rabbi responded, HaChassid hu hanizar b'medinoso. The righteous person is one who was very careful with his land. He takes care of his, his country. Mishayrum b'chalich l'chol he makes sure to take care of everybody. He makes sure that everyone has enough to eat. And he relates to them with justice and righteousness. He doesn't speak down to them. He's not mean to them. He doesn't give them more than they need, but he doesn't give them less than they need. That was the description of a chassid that the rabbi shared with the king. So the king's question back was, maybe you misunderstood my question. I was asking, what's your approach? What's your understanding of a righteous person? And you're talking to me about a Moshe. 
You're describing a ruler of a kingdom. Maybe you misheard me. So the rabbi answers back to the king, No, I totally understood your question. And I'm sharing with you, what is the Jewish philosophy on one who has truly made it in life? Hachosid hu mishu moshel. The righteous man is the one who has a reign, who has control over, over himself. When I told you the, the ruler of the kingdom is taking care of all of the different people and the parties and the interests, that was an analogy, that was a metaphor for the human being who's taking care of all of the different kochos hanefesh, all of the different factors that we have to grapple with, all of the thoughts that cross through my mind, when to bring up a feeling, when to enhance an emotion. A person who has shlita, who has control over that, that man is a righteous man. That's our definition of chasidus. We're going to learn about Eliezer, who was the Evid of Ram. And Eliezer is defined as the Moshel Bechola Sherlo. He was in charge of everything that belonged to Avram. The Medrash tells us, not only was he in charge like the manager, but but he was similar to Avram in the sense that he was also in control of himself. That's a chassid. That's a righteous person. As a teenage girl who attended Camp Simcha in the summer, and she suffered from hypoplastic left heart syndrome where she had many deficiencies and many, many areas, at least in her physical presentation, that she, uh, she wasn't like other children. And she said a line that is somewhat maybe cliche if somebody else said it, but this is coming from someone who really had very little control over her body. And she said, power is not about being in control of others. It's about being in control of your own actions and how you influence others. That's a Moshe. That's a chassid. Now what I'd like to do is really bring up a a very powerful question. Getting back to the flow of everything we've discussed until now. We started off the series speaking about the need for, for emotion, for hargasha, for living impassioned. And the greatest tsar, the, the greatest pain we suffer in life is when we feel numb. And we're just disconnected. And there's no excitement and there's no enthusiasm. There's no chiyus, there's no life. So we started on our journey with this as one of the main objectives. How do we bring life into our avodas Hashem? How do we bring life into our relationships? I want to I have a chiyus. But then, last week and this week, as we're exploring more of, 
how the mind works and identifying who we really are, where it almost sounds like from these sources that the goal is to get to a place where I'm distancing the real me from what's happening around me. I'm becoming reflective. I'm not reactive. Aren't those two missions somewhat in contradiction? If I'm trying to become more emotional and more connected, so doesn't that mean that I'm, I'm allowing my, my feelings to somewhat take over? And if I'm trying to be more reflective and to stand back and observe my thoughts, because I'm not really the thoughts, I'm, I'm above that, so that would seem to almost produce a sense of being callous. How do both of these ideas somehow work together or even complement each other? Is that a valid question? You have to work on yourself in that way in order to develop those types of relationships. But if I'm picturing myself in any real-life scenario, so when I picture myself being reflective, being aloof, creating a distance between me and my thoughts and my feelings, then it's very hard to imagine that I'm just exuding love. And then when I picture myself being that person we spoke about initially in the first few classes, of, of tapping into the, the energy and the passion of life, so I'm not at all reflective, I'm not, I'm not distancing myself, I'm almost one with the emotion. Reb Chaim. So let's analyze a Rambam together. This Rambam is very well known, but I think it's also very misunderstood. The Rambam in the beginning of Hilchos Deis, he tells us that within every Midah, there are always two extremes. And if I find within myself that I'm more inclined towards one of those two extremes, or naturally I just gravitate to being one of the, uh, one of the extremes. So then the eights of the suggestion of the Rambam is, we have to work on ourselves to slowly go the other direction to eventually bring ourselves to what he calls the derech emtsoi, 
the beautiful, noble middle path. What's the middle path? So explains the Rambam. The best way to live is to find that central middle path within every midah, within every character trait. And and that's why we have the advice from our early chachamim. That we should always be evaluating, observing, what am I thinking, what am I feeling, in which direction am I naturally more pulled, and therefore to bring myself closer to the middle. So one example he shares with us is, Don't be that guy that gets angry very easily. When I was on a plane, one time it was, I was already sitting down, people were boarding, and there's this massive human being where he walked on the plane and he didn't look like a very happy, content person. And he had this really big carry-on luggage with him, and I see him, he's about a seat or two in front of me. He's one of the last ones to come on the plane, so there wasn't that much room on top. And there's a space about this big, and his bag is about this big. So I'm looking, thinking to myself, don't even try it. <laughs> it's, that's so not going to work. But I was curious, <laughs> what's he going to do? So lo and behold, he takes it and starts to shove it in there. And it's not really going, not surprisingly. So he tries harder, now he's grunting as he's doing it. And the people who were sitting around were kind of looking up. Some were pretending not to notice. And after about 30 seconds of trying to get the bag inside there without any hatzlacha, he takes the bag and he slams it on the floor right in the aisle and just lets out a roar. Okay? <laughs> Nebuch. So the Rambam saying, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. That's an extreme. However, he says, margish. But don't be like you're dead. You don't feel anything, right? The Gemara and Shabbos gives the analogy of someone who just, he's so out of touch with life, he doesn't have real emotion. It's like cutting the flesh of a dead body. That's what the Gemara says. So that's the other extreme. Don't be totally... Um, timid and, and disconnected to the point where someone could be yelling in your face or yelling at you or doing something incredibly wrong and it just, okay, doesn't work, doesn't phase me. Rather, he says, Ella benoni, be in the middle. Now, th- this particular example of, of anger is a difficult one because if you read the entire piece in the Rambam, the middle path doesn't seem to be the recommendation for the Midah of Kas, but we're going to leave that for now. How do we understand, though, the basic approach of the Rambam? If you were to read this superficially, it sounds like he's saying as follows. Don't be extreme. Right? We live in a society where anything that's viewed as extreme is automatically evil. 
If you believe in anything or you're overly passionate about any particular cause or ideology, unless it happens to be my own, right, then you're extreme and you're a bad person. It almost sounds like the Rambam is saying that. Right? Don't be the guy who's just exuding love and hatava and concern and is going out of his way to bring you into his house and invite you for Shabbos and when he sees that you're down, don't go over to him and be mechazik him and don't totally ignore him and neglect him. But be kind of in the middle, be lukewarm. Right? Smile and say good morning and keep on walking. Don't have a whole conversation with him. Be right in the middle. Is that the advice of the Rambam? Absolutely not. That is Sheker V'chazov. That's the wrong understanding of the Rambam. What the Rambam is saying, like Reb Chaim was suggesting, the Rambam is saying that we should have a shlita, we should gain, or at least the goal is to gain a control over ourselves to the point where I can choose what mida to tap into. What emotion to draw from, given the situation, given the moment, given the relationship. So really I'm in the middle, not that don't be too cold and don't be too hot, be lukewarm. Rather the Rambam would say, when the call of the hour is to be ice freezing cold, then that's exactly what I am. And when the call of the hour is, you have to be burning, boiling hot then that's where I am. I'm very extreme. I am an extremist. There's nothing evil or inappropriate about being extreme. As long as I'm in control of the thought process and the emotion, and the emotion is not in control of me. That's the, the beautiful, famous guidance of the Rambam, Derech Im that's why even in the world of the, the Musser movement, what was the name they would give to someone who really mastered their midos? He is a nice guy? No. There's no mitzvah to be a nice guy. The goal of, of developing our vodas Hashem and, and elevating our midos is to be a baal, a baal midos tovos a master of my midos. Because I, step one, I have the awareness, I'm not the thoughts that are flying through my head, I'm not the emotion, I'm the observer, I'm the controller, I'm the creator. And the more I reinforce that within my own head, then I could be reflective. Then I could stand back and I'm not going to get swept away in the emotion of the moment. But that allows me not to stay distant, that allows me not to stay cold and callous, but that gives me the real opportunity to choose the right combination of emotions and then delve in b'chol halev with one's whole heart and his whole mind. Strength of character is not limited to restraining oneself. That's part of it but it's the ability to draw from the right emotion at the right time. That's a Baal Midos Tovos. So what we're going to conclude with this evening is, we have a little bit more of a clarity how to answer the question of the caterpillar to Alice in Wonderland, who, 
are you? The answer is, I'm the controller. I'm the creator, I'm the observer. That's who I am. Where does that come from? That comes from the neshama. However those two things coincide, but I'm my neshama, consciously, I'm the observer, I'm the creator, I'm the controller. What we have to do next time is go through some practical ideas and examples of how do we gain more of that shlita to become a moshel, to become a ruler of the Medina of the world that's within ourselves. We're going to do that next time, Amir Tzashem, but I do want to leave off with an exercise. Exercise for this week is in the end of Shemona Esrei, in the Elokai Netzor, we ask Hashem to please guard our speech. Vildim kalai nafshi sidom. And to those who curse me, nafshi sidom, which means my soul should be silent. Vinafshi ka'ofar lekoltia, and my soul should be like offer, like dirt, to everyone and to everything. Ever think about those words? My soul should be like dirt. If I had to think of, you know, fill in the blank, my soul should be like a diamond, right? Like light. Anshay Ganesh Zagadolis actually was, and this came later on, but the great Amora who wrote this paragraph, you couldn't find anything better to fill in the blank. My soul should be like dirt. So one of the, there are many interpretations, one of the, uh, the pshatim that I find very meaningful is, nafshi ka'ofar means no matter what's going on around, if there's a thunderstorm, if it's raining and pouring, if it's hot, if it's humid, if there's a war going on right on top of you, or you have children playing and dancing, I have that same stability. I have that same menuchas ha-nefesh. This is a different midah we're going to explore at a different time. The midah of hakol shava. Everything is, is okay. I'm not going to lose my, my footing. I'm going to stay strong and stay, stay rooted where I am and who I am. That's the tefillah of asking Hashem to help us stay reflective not to react, not to fool myself or, or, or allow myself to get into the illusion that I am my thoughts, but I'm outside my thoughts. Allow my neshama to feel ka'afar, that I remain stable no matter what's happening around me, and then we could fulfill the guidance of the Rambam, just like that painter choosing the right colors and sometimes mixing a few together to make our masterpiece, the masterpiece which Amir Tzashem We'll be ourselves. Okay? A good evening.